following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. A time in our lives, a time in our church, a time in our nation when we need God to wake us up, renew us, revive us, and get us back on the right track. We need you, Lord. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we might find grace to help in our time of need. And we are a needy people. We are a needy country. And I think a lot of what we need hinges upon revival and hinges upon what we learn today and what we decide today. Uh, the, the text that we'll be looking at is clear. Uh, our purpose in life is vastly different from that of the Lord Jesus Christ. But everything that we've been looking at over the past few weeks, we've studied how to have a stable life. It kind of comes to a culmination today. Today is a day where you drive a stake in the ground, and we kind of put it all together. So July 20th, 1969, uh, a very uh, historical date in our nation. Uh, I was only barely one year old. <laughs> I don't remember the day. I don't remember the event. But I have read a lot on it. I've studied a lot about it. I've admired the men who were there on that day. July 20th, 1969 was the day that uh, the United States made their first trip to the moon. The first man to set foot on the moon, Neil Armstrong, made his historical comment, his quote, his footprint are pictures and images that we have seen in history books. From that day on. And the words that he spoke as he stepped out of his space capsule onto the moon for the first time. He said that's one small step for man. But one giant leap for mankind. So his statement right there alone has a lot to do with what we're looking at and what we're proclaiming today. Your purpose in life. What is your statement? What is it that you're saying? This is one small step for me. But this is one huge leap that's going to impact my entire life. So not only did Neil Armstrong make that quote, not only did he make that statement, not only did he make his very own footprint in that moon dust, but during their time there, they did something else. They took a pole with an American flag on it and left it there. Basically, they drove a stake in the ground. Now, they weren't saying that we are claiming the moon as property of the United States of America. But they said, for this time and this day, July 20th, 1969, we are driving a stake in the ground saying this has been a determining factor in the history of our country and in the history of mankind. And we want this to be a momentous occasion. Your purpose in your life, the day when you put your foot down and say, I know what God created me for. Basically, you are driving a stake in the ground saying, this is a day I was created for such a time as this. And from this day forward, my life is going to be vastly different. 
We've looked over the past eight weeks at the importance of hearing from the Lord, trusting in the Lord. Uh, that so difficult waiting on the Lord, following the Lord. We all want to say as Christians that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means at some point in time we've heard his voice. We've trusted in him. Now we're following him every step of the way. We've looked at the importance of a devoted family for a stable life. We looked at the importance for knowing your place. We looked at the role of John the Baptist as the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that someone more important than him would come along and he would have to work in the shadows of the Lord himself. And last week we looked at knowing your limits, to have a stable life. You've got to know what your limits are. But to really have a stable life, you've got to know what is my purpose here on this earth. So everything that we looked at reaches a culmination today. We, we come to the apex of this subject of obtaining a life that is stable. And so as a pastor, as your pastor, uh, it's my privilege and my responsibility to equip you in a way in which you are moving in the direction of finding implementing and pursuing God's purpose for your life. Now, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. If you're asking the question, "What, Brother Tracy, what is my purpose in life? I can't answer that for you. I can equip you. I can, I can preach through sermon series like this. I can give you the resources. I can pray with you. But as far as me saying this is what you were created for, I can't answer that question for you. That's between you and the Lord. And my hope and my prayer is that I've prayed through this sermon and I've prayed how to conclude it and what to study next is going to go even further into helping you find your purpose. But out of 8 billion people in this world, it is somewhat of an intimidating thought that God would speak to me specifically or speak to you specifically and say out of 8 billion people in this world, here's why I created you. Here's the purpose that you are here on this earth. It's tough to find sometimes. It's tough to make that determining factor. But my prayer for today and my prayer through this whole sermon series and my prayer going into the series on spiritual gift in in a few weeks is that for you to either say, I know for sure what my purpose is, And from this day forward, I'm ready to pursue that purpose in finding my role in God's kingdom work. Or if you don't know what your purpose is, that today would be the day that you would make that decision that I'm going to make a commitment to do everything within my power to petition the Lord, to study his word, to pray through this and discover what my purpose is so I can be a part of God's plan and what's going on here in his kingdom building and here in Morgan City. And so today, today might not be quite as momentous of an occasion as July 20th, 1969, but today, where we're at, more specifically, January 22nd, the year 2023, 
I'm on a roll. I haven't said 22 yet. I haven't put the date 22 on anything yet. At approximately 11.15 a.m. in the morning, at First Baptist Church, Morgan City, Louisiana, we asked the question, why am I here? What is my purpose? For you to obtain a stable life, that is one thing that you either need to be pursuing or know for sure. So that was my prayer for you today, is that God's purpose for your life would either be revealed to you or that you would be in the process of pursuing it more diligently than you ever have before. My, my hope and goal is, is that maybe today, maybe in the next few days, maybe even in the next few weeks, that you would uncover God's purpose for your life. It's there. He knows what it is. But have you asked him to reveal that? To you yet. Open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. Those of you that know me uh, know that I spend a lot of time in the Proverbs and the Psalms, and I refer to them quite frequently. I got two specific verses that I want to look at, but I don't want to be uh, accused of taking verses out of context or picking and choosing. We're going to read the whole passage of uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. But when we hit those two main verses, I'm going to ask that you underline them or highlight them or however you mark things in your Bible. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word, Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 9. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. Verse 3 is one I want you to key in on. Put your little mark by it somehow or another. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. That sounds like a pretty stable life to me. That sounds like someone writing who knows what his purpose is. Making that commitment is one of the first steps to finding your purpose. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. So everyone has a purpose. It doesn't matter who you are. The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. Everyone, proud in heart, is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Want to get back at your enemies? Just make sure that your ways please the Lord is what that says. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Verse 9 is the second one that I want you to key in on. A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Father God, we pray that as we look at the life of your son, Jesus Christ, the purpose that he was here on this earth, and as we consider the purposes that we are here for, Lord God, I pray that you will reveal to us the steps that we can take in finding our purpose here on this earth. We just ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's very clear that People want to know what their purpose here on this earth is. 
Uh, many of you read Rick Warren's number one best-selling book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, 40 Days of Purpose. And here's one comment that he made in this book that I, I want you to know about today. If you are looking for your purpose here in life, I want you to understand one thing. It's not about you. <laughs> I know some of you hate to hear that <laughs> because most of the times everything is all about us. But that is one of the comments that Rick Warren made in his book that it doesn't settle well with some people. Some people, unfortunately, never make it past that point. But to find your purpose in life, you've got to understand, and we're going to see this in the life of Jesus here in just a few moments, you've got to understand that it's not all about you. As a matter of fact, finding God's purpose for you here on this earth has very little to do with you personally. How can I serve other people? How can I be a part of God's kingdom building plan? How can I go to events like our one-on-one soul winning and evangelism training and understand that that's not going to benefit me as much as it's going to benefit other people? When I find my spiritual gift, when I implement my spiritual gift, when I take my gifts and my talents, everything that God has blessed me with and really put them into full use, I'm going to find out that what I'm doing has very little to do with me personally, but it has to do with serving other people. And we're going to hear that in just a moment with the mission statement that Jesus himself makes. So you think about the spiritual gifts. What are they? What are they for? They're for the edification of the body of Christ. My job as a pastor is to equip you and to prepare you and help you to discover your spiritual gifts so that this whole body, this whole congregation will be edified, it will grow, it will function like it should. So I want to make one thing perfectly clear. You're going to hear me say this time and time and time again as we get into the spiritual gifts uh, sermon series. There is a very huge difference between a talent and an ability and a spiritual gift. Some of you know that already. There's a distinct difference between the two. Everybody, whether they're a Christian or not, has certain special abilities or talents that they are born with. They are natural. But a spiritual gift is something God gives you specifically to use in his kingdom-building process. So as we go to the Gospel of Luke and we wrap up part eight of how to have a stable life, there's going to be three Uh, Four specific things, excuse me, that we're going to look at that happens to Jesus uh, after his temptation, after his dealing with Satan in the wilderness that we looked at last week, uh, that Jesus proclaims here that happens to him early on when he makes a stake in the ground and begins his earthly ministry. So Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He goes to one location and is baptized by John the Baptist. That's one landmark event that happens. Jesus then goes to the wilderness of Judea. He's tested by Satan three times. Satan tries to tempt him and trick him. And three times Jesus has a rebuttal. It is direct quotations of the word of God. Scripture comes into play. He resists Satan and Satan flees from him. And in chapter 4 of the Gospel of Luke, we pick up in verse 16, we find out that he goes to another location. 
He goes to Galilee for a short time. And in verse 16 it says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Why did Jesus go back to his hometown of Nazareth? One of the first steps that you need to make in finding your purpose here on this earth is, number one, you need to get in a place where you are secure. There's a lot of NFL teams right now. They're playing for what? Home field advantage. And all season long, basically, they've been playing for a record that will give them home field advantage. When the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl, what was one of the key factors there? They had home field advantage in the Superdome. This is my house. This is my turf. This is where I'm comfortable at. This is where everybody knows my name. This is where everyone is cheering for me. So Jesus goes back to a place where everyone is familiar with who he is, who his family was. They watched him grow up. And to make his proclamation of his earthly ministry and to stake a, uh, put a stake in the ground and claim his purpose here on this earth, he went back to Nazareth. In the Wizard of Oz, that's what Dorothy said. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. It was a place where she wanted to be. It was a place where she felt secure. It was a place where she felt comfortable. When I go back to the Quincy, there's people there that all they got to do is take one look at me. They know who, I'm at, who I am, where I'm from. They know my mom, my dad, my grandpa, my aunts, my uncles. They know everything about me, and I feel comfortable there. Here I go and start talking to people, and what do they say? You ain't from around here, are you? <laughs> there are just some places that I don't fit in. I don't feel real comfortable. You know, there are a few advantages to, to not being in your hometown, I can drive down the road and nobody knows who I am. They don't know my truck. A lot of times I'll see people coming and there'll be some guy just kind of cruising along. And boy, I'll say, oh, I'm going to get this one. I'll be driving up to him. As soon as I get to him, boy, I do like this. And I'll see them. They'll say, well, who was that? I missed on somebody. I, don't, I didn't recognize who that was. <laughs> so there are a few advantages to not being from around here. And if I really want to get at them, I'll see them coming. I'll see somebody, you know, they got the 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock going on. They're a safe driver. All of a sudden, I'll just kind of whip over in their rain for a second and do like that. And then I'll go, <laughs> they don't know who I am. But Jesus went back to a place where he was secure. And we've, we've learned in our study of the book of Acts that the apostle Paul kind of followed a pattern that Jesus set here. Where did he go first? He went to the synagogue. As his custom was on the Sabbath day, this is where all of the religious people knew him. He said, this is where I'm going to claim my purpose at. This is my group. They're familiar with me. They know who I am. They watched me as I was growing up. And now as I embark on my purpose here on this earth, I want them to know this is what I came here for. So for you to find your purpose, you need to go to your home church, your pastor, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, somewhere where you feel comfortable, someone that can mentor you, someone that can walk through you with that place, someone that you feel comfortable and secure around and say, I think I know why God put me here on this earth. 
Get in a place where you are secure, where you're comfortable. Number two, you need to develop a mission statement. What is a mission statement? It's not a claim of necessarily what I want to do, but it is what I am I committed to do. What is your mission statement? Well, we have mission statements here at this church. We have mission statements in some of our Sunday school classes, our committees. We know what our purposes are. We know what we're supposed to do. We have things that we are committed to do. We have a church covenant that when you become a member of this church, this is your expectations of what you should be committed to do. This is like a mission statement from this point on, being a member of this church of what you're committed to do, but it's also our commitment to help you as a church member. What was Jesus' mission statement? He opened up the book of Isaiah and found where it was written. He had to be familiar with this, verses 18 and 19. Here was his mission statement. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And he has sent me to recover the sight of the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And with those two verses, Jesus took a stake and put it in the ground and said, From this moment on, this is what I'm committed to do while I'm here on this earth. And he did those things. He did those miracles. He set the captives free. He healed the brokenhearted. He made the blind to see again. He made the lame to walk again. He made those who were lepers clean. Those who were oppressed by sin and whatever the case may be. He set them free and gave them a liberty like they've never experienced before. Your mission statement. Do you have a life verse? Psalms 34, 8 is mine. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. There have been many situations in my life where all I can do is say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. It don't add up. I can put it on pencil and paper and it doesn't come out right. But I trust in you with this situation. What is your life verse? Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That would be a good one to have. Galatians 2, 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. That, that would be a good one to have. My wife, Marcy, she loves Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Jeremiah 29, 11. If you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for a mission statement, that would be a great one to have. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper, plans to grow, plans to find your purpose. But what is it that you are committed to do? Just like Jesus, you find something in the scriptures, which, which leads me to the next point. Something in the scripture and say, you know what? I think this is the direction that God is leading me in. This is a verse, this is a promise that I'm going to hold on to. 
And this is a verse that I hope to one day become my life verse because this is what I'm committed at this point from, from this point on to do with my life and to apply to my life. Get in a place where you're secure, where you're comfortable with people. Develop a mission statement. What is it that I'm committed to do to find my place and purpose here on this earth? Maybe you're like Noah. Maybe your purpose is to build an ark. I don't know. But the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah made a mission statement. I'm going to build this boat out in the middle of the desert. Nobody's ever seen rain before. They're going to think I'm crazy. But this is my mission here on earth. And I'm committed to it. Esther said, I was created for such a time as this. This one purpose. And it saved her whole nation. Her whole race was saved through her mission statement. The Apostle Paul said, I have been brought into this world and I have been saved to bring the gospel to the Gentile nation. To whoever will listen, to plant churches. That's my mission. That's my goal. That was his mission statement. Here Jesus makes a proclamation. This was his mission statement. This was something that he was committed to doing. And this was something from that time on that he lived his life continuously doing. So point number three. To find your purpose in God's kingdom building plan, you have to continuously and prayerfully study the scriptures. I know I've said this before, and you're going to hear me say this time and time again. Because when you separate yourself, you've lost focus on your direction. You've lost focus on finding purpose. Jesus opened up the scroll. He found the place in Isaiah because he knew the scriptures. It says, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. I'm sure jaws hit the floor. (laughs) Jaws dropped. Eyes were wide open. We've never heard anybody claim that before. We've never heard anybody state that before. And listen to what Jesus said in verse 21. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? Back in his hometown, where everybody recognized him, and now they are struck with awe and wonder. Where did this guy come from? We watched him growing up. This was Joseph's son. And now, right before our very eyes, something is going on. He has found his purpose. He has claimed his mission statement, and we get to witness it. But they didn't receive it quite as readily as that. But for you to find your purpose here on this earth, you have got to stay with your nose in the Bible. Not just here on Sunday mornings, not just every once in a while, but daily and regularly consuming large portions of the scriptures. Not just reading them at face value, but studying them. What is God trying to say through this passage? That's why we made the the chronological Bible available to you to read through it in a year. 
We're, we're, we just finished the book of Genesis. We are entering into the book of Job. And that was one of the things that Job asked the Lord. He said, you know, why, why am I here? Why, why did this happen to me? What is my purpose? What is the purpose for all of these events happening in my life? He began questioning God about what was going on in his life. And God said, all right, you better brace yourself like a man because I'm fixing to tell it to you. <laughs> and sometimes when we start asking the Lord what our purpose is, that's what he's going to say. All right, you better get ready. Because when I tell you your purpose here on this earth, you are then responsible for doing something about it. But you've got to keep your nose in the scriptures. You've got to consume. You've got to memorize. You've got to meditate on them. Let them, let them soak. Let them brew in your mind and ponder on them. When you get up in the morning, read and let it set the pace for your day. When you go to bed at night, you read and you meditate on that throughout the night. Not just haphazardly either. You've got to be diligent about it. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith is it, impossible, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you want God to really reward you by revealing your purpose here on this earth, you've got to diligently pursue it. You've got to put forth an effort to unearth. It's not going to be easy to find sometimes. So you've got to put forth an effort to diligently search the scriptures. And just like the psalmist in Psalm 119, 105, he said, you know what? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It not only tells me where I'm going, but it shows me where I should be going. And it shows me the steady and stable path that you have set before me. And your word, O oh Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and it illuminates the purpose for my life here on this earth. And last we see, not only do you need to get, get in a place where you're secure, people who know that know who you are, people you are comfortable around, people that will be honest with you, no matter how brutal it is, you need to develop a mission statement. You need to continuously and prayerfully study the scriptures. You also need to remain steadfast in your direction. When you stake that claim, when you stake that proclamation, when you find out what your purpose is, you lock your eyes on it. And you don't let anything knock you off of your track. You don't venture to the left or the right. Try your best not to stumble, but you stay focused on that point. Remain steadfast in your direction. Verse 23, on to the end of this passage. Jesus said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me. Do you note the confidence in his voice now in this proclamation that he's making? Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard uh, done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine 
throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sodom to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Let me just say, there's going to be some people that get upset with you when you do proclaim your purpose, when you make your mission statement. They're going to think you have lost it all. You've gone off the deep end. Some of them are going to be angry at you because you've taken a different direction. And you say, you know what, I I can't let you sway my decision here. So the best thing I can do is just break ties with you because my purpose here on this earth and what God has created me for is much more important than that. So in all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath and they rose up and they thrust him out of the city and they led him to throw uh, to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Watch how God protects him here. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. To find your purpose in God's kingdom building plan, you've got to stay steadfast in your direction. You've got to walk with the confidence that I'm pursuing God's purpose in my life. He's going to protect me because he's promised he will never leave me nor forsake me. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's pretty steadfast and confident in your direction right there. Philippians 1, 6, Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He says, being confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Man, that ought to bolster your, bolster your confidence a lot right there. God began a good work in me. And I can be confident that he is going to complete it because God never does anything halfway. We learn in today's Sunday school lesson, truthfulness, honesty is one of God's attributes, one of his greatest characteristics. If he says it, he's going to do it. If he starts it, he's going to finish it. Being confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul writes to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, We know that all things work together for the good of them who love God, to those who are the called according to his what? His purpose. So if you find God's purpose in your life, according to that verse right there, Everything in your life is going to work out according to God's plan. As long as you are pursuing his purpose for your life and his purpose that he created you here for on this earth. Dr. Tony Evans writes this in his book, The Fire That Ignites. He says, Jesus promised the Spirit's power 
Only as it related to accomplishing our God-given work in the kingdom of God. If you want his kingdom power, you must be living for his kingdom purposes. So how about you today? Have you already made that proclamation? Have you already made your footprint and drove that stake in the ground and say, I know why I'm here. I'm not going to let anybody deter me from reaching that goal and reaching that purpose. Or are you still seeking God's purpose here in Morgan City, First Baptist Church, January 22nd, 2023? Here in just a moment, these altars are going to be open. If you want to make that commitment to finding and fulfilling your purpose here on this earth, Today would be a good day to do that. That would be a great time to do that. If you know what your purpose is and you're not diligently pursuing it and implementing it here in this body or wherever you're attending church at, I challenge you to renew that commitment today. Say, God, I I know what my purpose is, but I've neglected fulfilling it and pursuing it any further. You revealed it to me years ago, and I kind of ventured away from it. But I want to make a commitment today to pursuing that purpose like never before because I want to be a part of whatever it is that you're doing, wherever it's at, wherever it may lead me. Perhaps you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ with your life. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe maybe you don't know for sure that heaven is your home. God created you for a reason. God created you for fellowship and worship of him. Maybe you've never made that stake in the ground saying, I want to be born again. I want to repent of my sins. And I want to know for sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life. Because that is where my purpose starts. You say, Brother Tracy, how do I begin that relationship? How do I make that stake in the ground? How do I make that proclamation that I am a Christ follower? The Bible says the first thing you got to do is you got to understand that you are born with a sin nature and that sin separates you from God. That's the bad news. The good news is that God has given a remedy for that sin. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus shed his blood so that separation be brought together. He bridged the gap of that separation between you and God for all eternity. And by faith, you must step out and trust in that provision that the Lord Jesus Christ made. The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice that proclamation, that purpose, If you'll confess with your mouth, you make that proclamation that Jesus is Lord. And that if you'll believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. And you will be on your way to finding your purpose. Out of 8 billion people on this earth, you'll know I'm on my way to finding my purpose that God created me for. Every head bowed and every eye closed. As a musician comes to the piano for a hymn of invitation, whatever you've heard today that maybe sparked 
something in your heart, maybe stirred you up, maybe caused you to think about finding, fulfilling, and pursuing your purpose here on this earth. Now's the time to respond and do something about it. This is an open invitation. We live stream all of our services, but this is where the video comes in. This is a very private, very intimate setting and a very uh, time that we don't want anyone else uh, witnessing or viewing. This is just between you and the Lord. Nobody else is looking around. Nobody's going to be butting into your personal business. This is a time for you to get along with the Lord and do business with whatever he's spoken to you about today. I, I, I believe that revival starts by us finding our purpose as a church. And for us to find our purpose as a church, we've got to find it as individuals. What, what are we here for? How are we going to impact our community? How are we going to reach the lost and make disciples? When a body of believers begins actively pursuing God's will and his plan and his purpose, we'll see that happen. Father God, we commit this time to you. I pray that lives would be changed, hearts would be stirred. But most of all, I pray that you would give each and every person here the boldness to respond in a way that you're leading them to. To not be in a hurry to get out of here as quickly as possible. Lord, if we, if we want to see things change here in Morgan City, if we want to see life transformation take place both in our lives and in the lives of others, we've got to be intentional. We've got to be diligent. And right now during this invitation, Lord, each and every one of us has to drive a stake in the ground and say it begins today. So we turn this invitation time over to you, Lord God, to do with as only you can. We just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.